supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen. AM 1420, WBSL presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Hey, it sounds actually not that bad, my voice. A little bit under the weather here, but uh, I am Tim Weisberg, and with me, of course, as always, the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz, back from New Jersey. New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, for those of you who listened last week, we, we pulled it off. We did a, a pretty good job, if I do say so myself, of uh, pulling off our Halloween hoax. Uh, we figured... You know, uh, instead of coming, we, we thought it would be a little bit kind of hokey if we came in here and told just straight ghost stories. Uh, I, I don't know if we could seriously do it with, with straight faces uh, in a way to get it across and, uh, and be scary to the audience. And so uh, we thought realism was more the way to go. And with it being close to having been, the, it was like one day after the 61st anniversary of the original War of the Worlds broadcast, so we came up with that idea of, kind of following that lead and doing a, a 2009 version, and I have to say, a lot of people bought it. A lot of people seriously bought it. And uh, don't be down on yourself if you did, because you are not alone. Uh, we were getting calls here in the studio, um, numerous emails, MySpace postings, um, Facebook postings, and there's a thread now on the message board at SpookySouthCoast.com where people were talking about it. What amazed me most about it wasn't just that the live audience Right. Kind of bought into it, but also it, it lived on in the podcast days later. And I would hope to think that if there really was a, a UFO landing, that um, whatever your homepage is on the internet or you know whatever you watch in, on TV, you would have heard about it before you downloaded Spooky South Coast on Tuesday or Wednesday. But uh, <laughs> we are we are still very grateful to everybody that did listen to the show, and and we just think it's cool that people people bought it because that means that we did our job. Which we we tried to make it so that you would believe it, and it would sound plausible. But at the same time, we made sure we dropped little hints in there that it was related to yeah, War of the Worlds. Yeah, was our homage to the original. Sure, and, and a number of people too, uh, including our friend Mark, were right on top of yep. it right from the beginning because they were picking up on these little clues, Grover's Mills and Professor the Pearson, and right. and all these little things. And <laughs> and I think, uh, you know, when I was trying to shove down Chris Balzano's throat, it was, it was a space shuttle Mercury, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think <laughs> by that point, people were starting to catch on a little bit. But uh, most people told me that it was the, the gunfire that was right around the part where they uh, they at least hoped that it wasn't real because <laughs> they wanted to make sure you weren't getting How'd shot. How'd you like that? That was a very good – tell everybody how you pulled that off, too. Uh, one of my friends has a uh, very realistic video game, and uh, he happened to have, at the particular time he was playing, a 50 cal that he was using. He was like, hey, Joe, when I go – you know, hit the 50 cal, and he did. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked out well because uh, I was sitting here wondering – it's funny because as we're doing the show, I know that it's not real. <laughs> I know that we made it all up, and we were – I mean, not to toot our own horns here, but we were kind of curb your enthusiasming our way through it. Uh, we were, we were actually ad libbing 
just about everything. We had a rough outline of what we wanted to do, and we were kind of just making it up as we went along. I was a little concerned, Matt Moniz, that maybe we hadn't prepared enough. And as soon as you came on the line and you started just going off, and I was like, "This guy's got it down." Of course, you know, you know what I know what the story is about. And and if you listen to the original, the original um, broadcaster at the scene was very animated about what he was seeing, and I was trying to follow the same line. And yeah, and I'm sitting here listening, and I'm like, "Oh wow!" Like I'm I'm almost catching myself slipping into belief with it. So. you know, thank you all for listening, and, and please, if uh, you did enjoy it, tell somebody else, um, because uh, we we actually, I think we got a lot of uh, new fans uh, from all the the wonderful generous airtime that uh, Fun One Hundred Seven and WBSM gave us to promote that episode, and uh, I got to say, most of the WB the WBSM guys were in on it. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to tell the Fun One Hundred Seven guys we were going to be pulling off a hoax, so. <laughs> Uh, but it's 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 good that we were able to do it. And speaking of hoaxes, that's kind of what the topic's going to be tonight. Um, having done one now last week and pulled one off, this week we're going to talk about the idea of hoaxes in the paranormal community and in the paranormal world these days. There's an influx of paranormal media. And with all that uh, attention being paid to the subject matter, it's not impossible to think that there's going to be some that slip through the cracks that might not be completely on the level. And we're going to talk to Patrick Doyle, who runs a website called hauntedhoax.net. And that's the name of his investigative group. But it's also the name of his, what we'll say, his educational arm of what he's trying to do. Uh, where he's trying to show people that uh, a lot of this stuff can be easily faked. And in other instances, there's not enough scientific evidence to believe uh, exactly what we're being told. And we'll also talk to Greg Newkirk, who is the co-founder and contributing editor of the Who Forwarded blog. And uh, aside from being the greatest name for a paranormal-based website ever, um, <laughs> just because if you know anything about Charles Fort and you know anything about the paranormal and you can bring it all together, if you say to somebody, then check out that website called Who Forted, everybody's just going to laugh because it's just, you know, it's such a perfect fit. Uh, but we'll talk to them. I, I like to think of them as being the TMZ of the paranormal world, and, and we'll get their take on that. They're kind of... Uh, we use the term watchdogs in promotion of the show this week, but I don't know if that's necessarily the right word uh, because they're not really calling people out in terms of, you know, they're not really holding people accountable necessarily as they are just kind of poking fun at the the Paris celebrity aspect of it all. So we're going to satirists, yeah, basically. really, and that that is what they. If you go to their website, uh, whofortedblog.com, and you check out some of their YouTube videos, I mean, they've they've got videos where they're making fun of people. Um, and it's, it really is just parody and satire. So we'll get into all of this. It's going to be, I think, a fascinating discussion. The lines are going to be open for you all night long, 508-996-0500 or toll-free 1-877-996-1420. If you'd like to get involved in the discussion, you can also email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. We don't have Spooky TV up and running because we do have to replace the uh, Ethernet cable here in the studio. Uh, we just can't let the engineer know that we're doing that. Uh, but uh, the blog, uh, I'm sorry, the um, Spooky TV chat room is up and running on justin.tv right on the main page of SpookySouthCoast.com. So why don't we take a break? We'll get our guests on the phone, and we come back. We'll get right into this co- topic here because hoaxes in the paranormal and, and overinflation of the ego in the paranormal, it's all on the table tonight, and uh, maybe we're going to come out of this feeling a little bit smaller about ourselves. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast.
All right, welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, science advisor, Matt Moniz. And tonight's topic is, we're just kicking around the topic of just how overblown is this paranormal thing anyway? And uh, for, for those of you who are frequent listeners to the show, uh, you know that, um, you know, we often have these Paris celebrities on, and uh, we, we have people on here who have television shows or other radio shows, and and people who have kind of made a name for themselves in the field. So now tonight we're gonna uh, we're gonna talk crap about them while they're not, they're not here. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right, but we do have two guests that are gonna be joining us on the line. Um, first, we have uh, Greg Newkirk, who is the co-founder and contributing editor of Who Forded, and you can check that out at whofordedblog.com. He's also a founding member of Ghost Hunters Incorporated. Uh, he's been investigating the paranormal for 12 years. Uh, he is the resident videographer and video editor for Who Forded as well. And uh, we'll talk to him about his beliefs in paranormal investigation. And also joining us is Patrick H.T. Doyle of HauntedHoax.net. And uh, it's out to expose the fakes, which claim to be real, and offers possible explanations to other evidence posted on websites like uh, all the different stuff you can find on YouTube and, and just great YouTube videos from him. Uh, he also stages reenactments and demonstrates how a large percentage of evidence can be fabricated with just a simple simple digital camera and everyday items. Uh, and the Haunted Hoax show can be seen on his website, hauntedhoax.net, as well. So, uh, Patrick and Greg, welcome to the program. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing good here. All right. Fantastic here. Well, all right. We talk about the paranormal here on Spooky South Coast each and every week, and we, we, we like to say that we take things seriously enough so that you won't think that we're goofing around, but we don't take it too seriously because then you're going to think we're nuts. I mean, is that kind of the approach that you have to take uh, going into this? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's, a perfect, uh, that's a perfect thing to touch on to begin because, you know, we've said for a while now, if, you know, we're in a field where we're, and I use French fry quotes around fields, where people are chasing things that, you know, by everyday standards don't exist. So if we're too serious, if we look too serious about that and we take ourselves too seriously, we're just going to come off looking crazy. But now, Patrick, with, uh, with Haunted Hoax, you, you do conduct investigations and you, you are a, a uh, team that people can call in if they think that they have uh, phenomena happening. Yes, I, me and my uh, brother and sister have a team, and we do go on investigations, but... We state on the website, we aren't what you see on television, because what you see on television is not real, it's not reality. It, well, what would you say would be the difference for somebody who's just a casual viewer of these programs, uh, at least in the way that you guys operate? What's the difference? Uh, one of the main things is when you do, when you do an investigation, you do your investigation around the claims the client has. You don't always go in between 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. And you don't always use night vision because night vision isn't the best way to capture evidence. So, I mean, night vision, of course, adding to the dramatic effect of, of television for sure. Uh, but what are some of the issues that would come up with it in terms of evidence? With the night vision cameras, it just slows the frame rate down for the camera like to take in images. I don't have, I wish I, I there's a great article out there done. I wish I could have it in front of me to pull up the facts. But it basically comes down to if you're going to, like, capture evidence, what we're out there trying to do is get, like, the holy grail of evidence and try to catch a well, ghost on film. So what trying to catch a ghost on night vision is nothing close to what if you just catch it in the light or with a high-def camera, because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get the good evidence, and you're not going to get it with night vision. 
And, and I like how uh, on the Haunted Hoax website and on, on your YouTube videos, you uh, actually are able to recreate uh, some of the stage effects that they used to use to create ghosts for like a Christmas Carol and maybe uh, productions of Hamlet. And you show <laughs> how easy it is to, to make these things happen, even in you know regular camera light or, or regular room light. Exactly, and that's just how easy it is. I, I do go more after the the online videos than the TV shows now because there there's just too many online videos too that are going out there saying that they're big bold letters with triple exclamation marks, real ghosts, and uh, people are believing them. If you read the comments, you see the five star ratings on YouTube. People are really duped into these, so I just go in there, like you said before, just using a simple digital camera and everyday things natural lighting i can re- recreate this stuff within a minute and uh, like you said though there is so much of this evidence that's online and, and people are using that to say you know here's definitive proof of the paranormal uh the problem with that being in addition to to just being able to um recreate it as you have uh we it's so easy to have sophisticated equipment on your home PC now, that you could uh, basically create CGI effects and, and different Photoshop effects that could even be far advanced what you could do with just a, a, a ghost box like you use in the videos. Oh, exactly, and that's one of the main problems. Like, usually everyone has computers, now, basically everyone has computers now, and you know, like I said, the software out there is so advanced, everything that you see on TV, on the web, can be fabricated. So it's making it very difficult to figure out what's real, what's not real. So by me bringing, calling all these people out who are doing the obvious fakes, I'm hoping, I don't know if I'm succeeding, but I'm hoping that we kind of get rid of them and the real evidence will come to the surface. Well, I can tell you now, if I ever put a, a ghost photo up on the Internet, you can be sure that uh, I did not create it on Photoshop because I think I'm the only person I know in the world that doesn't have Photoshop on either of my computers, and I don't know how that happened. But I was pretty angry <laughs> when I opened it yeah. up from the store and was like, "What the heck?" Um, but no, yeah. I mean, it is like you said; it is so easy. I mean, when when fifth graders can can basically create a a ghost photo that looks way better than the brown lady of Raynham Hall, then <laughs> it just shows how advanced we are and and how easy it is to to create this stuff. Exactly, and like I showed in one of my videos, all you need is a a piece of glass, a light, and a camera, and you could create a ghost. You don't mean you need Photoshop or any other computer program. You just use basic props that they used back in the 1800s. And smoke and mirrors, that's all it is. Mm-hmm. And, and Greg, uh, you're being more of the, of the uh, we'll say, uh, I used the word watchdog earlier, but... <laughs> you know, you know I, I, I prefer not to use watchdog because I really don't, you know, I... I don't think that we should be the people holding anyone accountable. I mean, I mean uh, to an extent, sure... But Watchdog really, we, we just write about things that we notice uh, and take notice of that we don't think people are paying very much attention to. And it's more just pointing out a lot of things that I think are obvious, you know, be, or at least obvious to us. And I think, you know, the problem is that a lot of this stuff isn't obvious. And so things that, like, Patrick is doing is pointing out a lot of things that probably should be obvious, but people just don't have the eye for. And I think that on a different level, we're doing the same type of thing except we just try and use a little more humor to do it. I think, I think that, though, when we don't use humor, uh, people are, are affected a little more by it and, and take it a little more seriously. But um, I don't really want to use the word watchdog because, 
you know, I, I think that it's just a, a commentary and, and opening up a commentary, you know, for people that might not speak their minds as much as they normally would. Uh, I think a lot of there's a lot of people in this in this community that like to threaten people, and I mean, I couldn't tell you how many lawsuit threats we've gotten just because of things that we've written that are completely nothing we could be sued for. But people like to throw that word around because people don't like to be embarrassed because I think that this field, you know, one of the reasons I love it is because there's really no boundaries. But that's also one of the reasons I hate it because it accepts everybody. Mm -hmm. It accepts everybody no matter what. And because of that, we get a lot of people who claim they're psychics and they claim that they can, you know, do this or do that or have all these grandiose abilities. They come up with broken radios. They claim they can talk to the dead, things like that. And we accept all of that. And we, we accept it. We're, we're too willing to accept it because we're too willing to accept people that just uh, want to be special, I guess. Well, I, I've kind of referred to, to who Ford it as the... The TMZ of the paranormal world. Oh no! It, <laughs> but no, really, like you are yes. you are there to to call people out for things and 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 to uh, kind of break down some of the overinflation of the egos that have resulted. And I think your your site is the the perfect example of how you know the the community has gone beyond being about the research and kind of become more now about who it is doing the research. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I could ask any of you guys. How many people do you guys know personally that have quote unquote shot a pilot? <laughs> you know, that's the big thing now. Is everybody's got a pilot? Everybody's shot a pilot, and I mean, there's no, there's no innovation. Um, there's there's nothing new being done. People are are just falling for the, the same things they've been falling for fifty years ago. I mean, how how far how much farther have we really come in fifty years? Uh, of paranormal investigation, you know. I mean, we've got the we've got the uh, Frank's box, which is the big thing, or the Ovilus. And I mean, it's really it's just another kind of a, a Ouija board, really. Well, uh, Patrick, when you're conducting an investigation, what kind of tools do you use? If you know, all, a lot of this um, new newer technology that uh, investigators are using today, uh, a lot of it can be easily manipulated. What, what do you like to take with you on an investigation? Well, like Greg was just talking about the obelisk and the Frank's box, you can throw all that stuff away, and everything that you see on television, you can throw your K2 away, you can throw away you know, just anything that you're seeing on TV, those little the props that they're, they're playing with. Because uh, yeah, a, lot of, a lot of young investigators, new investigators, are watching these TV shows and just, Doing exactly what they're what they're being shown on television, it's all wrong. But I say before the number one thing that you need on an investigation is your your head. But people aren't using it; they're just uh, going in and just saying the same. They're just reading the same lines, the same script that they're seeing on TV. They're pulling out their K twos, they're pulling out their thermometers, and just going the same motions. But they're not using their heads. So that's the number one piece of equipment you need, because without your your five senses and be able to see and hear and all the and feel and all that other stuff. All I really need, really need besides that, is a camera and a digital recorder, and you're done. Wait a minute, to be a paranormal <laughs> investigator, don't you also need a sixth sense too? <laughs> you would. Well, we don't. We don't <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist it. 
Well, our, you know, that's that's Matt Moniz. He's our science advisor, and he's been doing this stuff for almost as long as uh, I've been alive. <laughs> he's he's been in this field for uh, for over twenty five years, and and Matt, you've seen a lot of these trends come and go when you come probably started. And go, yeah, come it was, and go, come and go. It was transmedium, and and well, you know, it originally started off with uh, in in a psychic nature, people looking at things via the Fox sisters. Okay, it was a mediumship that started a lot of the interest, even though serious interest in ghosts goes back millennia because that's our oldest stories. But, um, yeah, I've watched people come and go. Uh, but I have to say, there are some modern technologies that have creeped in that I, I, I am seriously interested in, like thermal imagery, you know, being a scientist and working with, you know, especially in analytical chemistry, I understand how these things work. So when people are talking about ghosts, you know, starting to come in, you get the cold effect. That that to me is just like in chemistry, what's known as an endothermic reaction. Something is drawing energy in and to do something, and then there's an exothermic reaction and an expulsion of energy or heat. You know, when objects get moved, I personally witnessed stuff like this and measured it. So now having a a tool or device that can record it and measure it in real time will help me further with analysis but when you start putting other cameras behind it and people you know catching images of you know the residual heat is the guy that just leaned up against the wall you know as now as a spectral image you know yeah you're taking the tools and you're modifying it for drama's sake well which yeah, is, absolutely. Uh, patrick i, I i've I, i'll say i'm guilty of uh you know, when I started getting back into the paranormal a few years ago, I was kind of blown away by some of the scientific devices um, that were available. And now I've kind of changed my mind on a lot of things. And I, I think there's a lot of tools in the paranormal community, but most of them are human. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I think that those pe- I think people are, are probably the the one tool that most of the time gets in the way more than anything in an investigation. Well, that's true. It's, people are going into all these places thinking that a place is haunted, so they're going to create the haunting in their in their minds. That's a big problem. I mean, and also the fact that human error, uh, human um, just you know being in the wrong place at the wrong time can actually taint a lot of what could be uh, captured on these devices. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is you just human want they they see a temperature fluctuation they hear an evp that or they hear a noise on the, their voice recorder or they get a hit on a thermal camera if they can afford a thermal camera and they automatically just jump to ghost and where a lot of people most people out there doing investigations they're jumping to conclusions they're not doing the scientific like research that they should be doing they're not looking at the their quote-unquote evidence with a critical eye most of them are not even doing the background research on the place, and that's 90% of what most investigations entail. You look exactly. at what, what, where are you going to? Uh, most people just get the report of you know, the place and the thing, and they just immediately jump to it. They don't look into the history of the location, the history of the family. What is the medical conditions of the family? Are they um, suffering from any, any types of maladies? What types of medications are they taking? These are things, a lot of cases... You know, people just jump right past that. They just want to go in with the cameras and the recorders, sit down and try and capture, you know, evidence. Yeah, well, an example of that, I have a case coming up on the 21st at a, uh, at a theater. And I was in there talking to the owners, and I was asking all these questions. And they've had a couple of teams, I think two or three teams in before. 
And the owners were like, wow, no one's ever asked us these questions. And I was asking <laughs> basic questions. So I guess the two or three groups that went before me just did exactly what you said. Just They got excited, haunted theater, and ran in with their equipment to find ghosts. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll throw this out there, and you can let me know what you think. Um, I'll actually ask each of you, but... For ourselves to be uh, convinced and, and for ourselves to believe, we know what we need to experience or what we need to see or hear uh, in our own minds. But I think that if you can capture an EVP, if you can get an EMF fluctuation, a temperature fluctuation, any of these pieces of so-called evidence that you can get, if you can utilize that to convince somebody else that at least the paranormal exists, then I can't see the harm in that. I mean, at least getting them to buy into the fact that, okay, maybe this is for real. The possibility. Sure. It doesn't necessarily have to be here's definitive proof that you have a haunting going on here, but at least it gives them uh, almost like a scientific crutch um, to allow their mind to believe. Mm-hmm. Is that is that a dangerous thing, Patrick, do you think? Or, or is that uh, you know at least opening the door to, to the discussion of it? Well... If you just give me the question again right there. Well, just, I mean, utilizing the scientific uh, devices, these these um, EMF detectors, digital thermometers, all these things that you can bring on an investigation, if it will at least allow somebody who may have been previously a non-believer to say, okay, well, here's something scientific that shows that it may be possible, is there harm in that? Are you creating for them the, the false mm-hmm. hope in, in the science? A little bit, yes, just because... Right now, yeah, the paranormal field has been open for many, many, many years and decades. But we still don't know what a a ghost is. We don't know what all these fluctuations are. So if we tell a homeowner or a business owner, we think you have a ghost because we saw this, this and that, I think it could be damaging to them. If a lot of people don't want to be haunted and they'd like to to, uh, hear that, there's something else going on. So the scientific part, I like to say if we could figure that, if we could solve it scientifically that it is something other than a haunting, definitely tell them. But if it's something that can be explained to be something else, I think keep it to yourself. I don't think the should get out there and to the, the to the homeowner, to the business owner, whoever. It, I mean, it is kind of a, a fine line because you you never really know when you're when you're going into a case, exactly what it is that the person wants to find. I mean, unless they're very upfront about it. I don't want my house to be haunted. I do want my house to be haunted. But, I mean, there must be a number of times where you've gone in and uh, conducted an investigation and somebody's told you, oh, I've got my own EVPs. I've recorded this. I've recorded that because they've seen it on television. Exactly. I had that a couple times where they've taken photos of orbs, my favorite. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, they got some... EVPs, what they called EVPs, would just sound like background noise to me. Again, it was just them putting a voice and words to a sound because they wanted to be haunted. I have to say, though, for 1995, the uh, the package that you sell <laughs> that oh, yeah? enhances your orbs and and uh, <laughs> that was that was very funny. Yeah, and that's just that's just getting back to it. The Who Forty guys do it are talking about, and you need. A sense of humor in this field because right now it, it's just it's too thumb up their butt like just just they need to relax unclench and just have some some fun because people do attack me they attack the uh, the who forty guys because we are poking fun 
at the paranormal. Well, you know, and I, and I think, and I'm just going to throw this out there, humor is a sign of intelligence. It is. I mean, sure. yeah. it, it's a higher cognitive function. And we are operating in a very, very dumb community. And it comes back again to uh, the, the fact that we really don't have any standards. We'll let anybody in. We'll, we'll accept any kind of drivel as, as evidence. You know, we've got people taking psychics and mediums and things like that. A lot of these things that are, are not, uh, they, they, won't, they just won't hold up to any kind of a scientific uh, uh, standard. And people refuse to try and, and, and withhold any kind of a scientific standard. So it's really annoying when people call themselves scientists when they're not. I mean, they're obviously not. They refuse to follow any kind of scientific method um, if they even know what that is. And it's really, it's all about people who, who feel things and sense things. And it's a very, it's a very, like, emotionally driven field. And, and, and that's, that's a problem. Yes, because you can't validate a feeling. That's exactly it. An anecdote is not data. You cannot use personal experiences as any kind of valid form of, of evidence. Because it's not. Right, I mean, personal testimony is, is one of the, the worst forms of testimony you can get in court. You know, that it, it doesn't hold up. But it can I still, mean, it, well, it can still put somebody in a chair. It can. It can. But there's so many problems with that. True. Uh, because, because, you know, you're relying on, on notorious, like, a, a, a notoriously inaccurate, you know, uh, form of evidence. And that's what this field is built on. Are, 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 is anecdote, right. and on one hand, that's fantastic, and I love that, and you know that's part of that's part of what we like. That know, should be the starting recorded. point. That should be the yeah, starting it, point, absolutely. not where it ends. That's exactly it. Ghost stories and things like that. Those are the reasons that I know I got started. I got started because I liked ghost stories and I liked local legends and things like that, which are just that. They're just legends. You know, there might be a bit of truth in this gigantic story, but. You know, I don't think, I, I think that it's important not to lose sight of why you got started in it. But it's also important not to take yourself too seriously down the line. Because by doing that, I mean, you end up looking far crazier than you can imagine. Because people are running around calling themselves, oh, I'm, I'm king of this and I'm, I'm scientist and I'm a group team leader and blah, 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 blah. And, and it's, it's for what? What are you proving by saying that? You're, you're, the, you're like king crazy. Well, well it looks good on their uh, looks good on their Twitter page when they say that kind of stuff too. <laughs> it's good to be king of something, anyway. But I mean, well, first, my my approach now is I, I've kind of taken a step back from trying to convince people that a certain spot might be haunted or a certain type of phenomenon might be happening. And I just want to, at least when I'm telling anecdotal stories, I just want to tell you a story that makes you. Maybe say, oh, maybe this stuff is real. I know this guy. I, I listen to him talk about other things, and I take him at face value, and he's he's usually pretty sane and pretty on the level. So if he's telling me that this stuff happened to him, then maybe this stuff can happen. And that's all I'm trying to do in my anecdotal stories. I'm not trying to you know, say to oh, somebody, sure, sure. oh, it's definitely true because I got knocked against the wall. Yeah, absolutely, and that's it. I mean, I know a guy who, who claimed he saw a giant flying manta ray fly at him after he was thrown into a wall. And I can't believe that. I just can't. That's, that's, too, that's too much. You know, there's, there's, I, I, I love stories like that. I think that stuff's awesome. I love the people who like to tell those stories. 
but it's very, very hard to believe them. And I think that that's something that, you know, we're being taught to just automatically believe these types of things. You know, that's something that's being recycled again and again in this community, is that basically just believe what's set in front of you. Don't do any real research on it. I mean, people do kind of like this pseudo-research where they'll whip out like a, a piece of electrician's equipment and, and, you know, run it around the place, pick up some stray, you know, like uh, electrical wires and, and, and call things good. But people need to be a little more um, discerning in the things that they're that they're they're hearing and seeing, and not just believing everything at face value. Because you know, there's a reason that we don't have a lot of people that are respectable in this community, and that's because they're scared off. True. By all of us. And the other problem too is, it, as you alluded to before, is it, it is a community where you know there there's no real. Uh, application process there's no membership form to fill out no one needs no one needs a phd you know no one needs to show any kind of i mean you can get them oh i mean i mean i'm sure you guys know go online you can get certified (laughs) oh yeah i'm sorry whatever you want i've got tons of fake degrees and and fake doctorates and all kinds of things but it 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 is it's almost like you know whoever has the coolest toys gets to be you know the cool kid I, i remember when i was younger and nintendo came out you know, I would go over kids' houses who I couldn't stand, but I'd go over there because they had, you know, Nintendo games that I didn't. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and it's the same way now. You know, it's it's not like they're going to let you borrow their, their Nintendo games so you can go yeah. play on your own either. It's You come to my house and play by my rules. But, uh, Patrick... When you guys are out in the field and, and you're actually conducting investigations, do you work with other groups? Do you uh, try to... Um, uh, bring others into to your way of thinking or approach? No, I try not to, cause, uh, <laughs> because, again, a lot of the groups I'm encountering, just they're, they're, they're carbon copies, and they're carbon copies of the stuff that's being shown on TV. And, yeah, and just to, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, to just, uh, written, just to go on what Greg was saying, yeah, this is an open-door policy for being a paranormal investigator. And that's one of the main problems that we're having right now, that anyone and everyone who could, who could purchase a K2 and a digital camera is all of a sudden a ghost hunter. Yeah. And, and again, you have to blame the TV shows for that because they're, they're just uh, they're ridiculous, basically. Is it, is it a matter of um, that you're seeing something that you think would be uh, fun or interesting to try and therefore, you know, you want to get out there and do it yourself? Or do you think it's a matter of, hey, if this common everyday guy can get a TV show, so can I? Well, like, like it was said just earlier, like anyone, every, anyone and everyone has a pilot out there. Mm-hmm. Say, I have a pilot out there. I know the Who 40 guys were told that they're too controversial for being on TV. I was basically told yeah. the exact same. I was basically told the same thing. People aren't ready for the truth. Because right now, if you look at the TV shows, we're in a... In a, in a state of fear, everyone wants these little mini horror films where it's like, ooh, something big and spooky is happening in this mansion. And then the crew runs around in the dark, and then at the end you see who, what the boogeyman really looks like. They're not ready for truth and the Mythbuster-style television shows right now, and who knows if they ever will. I think the, we're coming to a point right now where the TV shows are so ridiculous and over-the-top that it's just going to burn out and it's going to be dead for the next decade. I thought things were, I thought things were going to burn out when when E announced Hot Chicks and Haunted Places, but it did slow down from there. Why didn't that work out, man? That was such a great idea. Yeah, I'd watch that one. I could care less about their investigations. I just wanted to watch them do them. 
Well, they were really just skanks. I mean, they were anybody. There weren't really any hot chicks on that show. They were all skanks. Yeah, yeah but in, the, in this field, we'll settle for that. <laughs> no, 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 they settled for less. Yeah, the inside story on that show was they actually just put out a uh, Craigslist posting looking for hot chicks, and then they threw the, oh. the equipment in their hands. So, oh. well, that's, and you know what? I put, a lot, of, I put a lot of Craigslist postings out there like that. Where I've put out for hot chicks and then I put my equipment in their hands and it, it never really works out the way I intended to uh, either. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, That's we, a different story. We can devolve pretty quickly around here. Uh, here it is. But, uh, well, sorry, you know, I should say this too. There's nothing inherently wrong with being on television and there's nothing wrong with, with having a show that's based around, you know, uh, the paranormal. That is how I got started. You know, I grew up watching things like uh, uh, scariest places on earth and MTV's fear and stuff like that. And I loved it. But the thing with those shows was, there wasn't any real pretense to those shows. You know, the cast, the, there, there wasn't a real cast. You know, there was a host that was the same. But the problem with the shows that we have now is, specifically with shows like Most Haunted and Ghost Hunters, is they've kind of built themselves into a corner. They've, they've painted themselves into a corner. And they've got no way to get out because they, they, their show revolves around the evidence. So the burden of proof is on them. And I'm sure anyone who, who can think critically can understand that a network isn't going to pay for a crew in a location to go out to different places. And because, I mean, I don't know, you guys, you guys have done investigations. You guys do investigations semi-regularly. How often is it? that something really strange actually happens to you when you go out. Exactly. I, w- I, would, I would hesitate to say even 1 in 10. Uh, I'd say 1 in 15 on that one because... Exactly. I've been out there, and you, yeah, you watch these TV shows, and they're catching something every damn time. That's, and, ac- that's absolutely it. And they're not going to put up oh, a budget sorry. to go out and do this. Yeah. And, and, and have, you know, 14 of those 15 shows go into the crapper. They won't do that. And with the burden of proof on them, you have to have something happen at least every two or three shows. And it's ramping up because now they've got competition. I mean, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but Ghost Hunters has started using the word demons now. Ghost Hunters is actually kind of reverting back to their old ways, though, now, because they're being, I think they've been called out too many damn times, where now they're being more, going back to like season one where they question evidence. They're not quick to call haunted. So I, I think they are seeing everything that's going on TV, everything that's happening on the web, and go on, we better do something if we want to have another three, four seasons. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I'll, I'll say this much. I mean, we've, we've been fortunate geographically where uh, we're located very close to, to Ghost Hunters, to Taps, and Jason and Grant. We've had a chance to talk with a number of them, work with a number of them, investigate with a number of them. And um, it, it is a clear-cut example of what you see on television is not, the way that it goes when you're actually investigating with them. And, and the one thing that's definitely happened is the progression of, uh, as you said, Patrick, in the first season, there was a lot more questioning and a lot more debunking. And now it seems like every episode is revolved around, and I don't want to South Park it here, but what was that? Did you hear that? What was that? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Bill and, and me guys, here. <laughs> and, and those guys just need to have a little bit more sense of your humor, too, because... They on just on Twitter page. If you say one bad thing about them, they'll they'll block you forever from their from their Twitters. Absolutely. And and Jason, Jason actually called me like on my personal on my cell phone here after I posted something saying, "Dude, what was that all about?" 
and it's like, why do you give it? Why do you care? It's like I'm just putting out a, a thought there, and it's like, is my little thought going to affect your multi-million-dollar world? And and well, that's what they're afraid of, though. Yeah, they exactly. Are afraid of that one Wait. little thought affecting their multi-million-dollar world because it, it happens. That's I mean, and that's the only way these people listen is by the little guys speaking up and actually causing enough of a fuss to cause them to listen. All right, and but you got to add a caveat to that because sometimes these thoughts that are brought up are total bogus too. Oh, absolutely, and that and that, that's absolutely true. There, I mean, oftentimes there's no truth to some of the things that are brought up whatsoever. But you know, the the, the thing is, is you know, none of these guys like to address any of these problems. Well, and also. You know, when you put yourself on television, you are a public figure, and right. then you are open to that ridicule Absolutely. and parody. Well, even Greg and I are also, because we're putting ourselves out just on the on the web, so we're open for for all attacks. And like, if you look at my videos, I keep every comment up there, even the negative ones. And you you go to some other people's, and they'll erase those right away. But yeah. I'm not saying everyone's up open to their opinion. If they think I'm an ass, fine, be it. I'm. I'm fine with that. That's basically the same thing we do. Everything we get up, we always leave open to the public. Here, you do with it as you see fit. Yeah, tear it apart. We like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It gives me stuff to work off of. Exactly. And, and it's the only way you're going to learn is by, you know, being able to accept criticism. Yeah, and I've got to love my fans because I don't even have to do a response to those negative ones because after they do it, I get ten people who defend me. <laughs> so I just got to thank all my fans for that. Well, uh, and we are just about uh, against the news here, and I know Patrick wouldn't let you go, but why don't you just uh, let everybody know about your radio show that people can tune into? I do a radio show every every other Thursday, so I just one I just had one what day we on Saturday two days ago, so the next one is two weeks from now. And it's Outlier Radio, and links to everything I'm doing can be found at hauntedhoax.net. My books, the online videos, my radio show. Everything is there. So hauntedhoax.net. And even if you are infuriated by somebody trying to call people out in the paranormal world, and even if you, you are going to claim that he's a, a negativist or whatever, you have to go on there and at least get the other perspective. And that's the key. And, and Haunted Hoax is great for that. Hauntedhoax.net to get the, the other perspective and make you think about things you might not have thought about when watching some of these videos or, or seeing some of this evidence. So, Patrick, thank you for joining us. We definitely want to have you back for a full show sometime. Uh, definitely. Thank you, guys. And, Greg, I'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Take care. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. Have a good, good night. Talking to you. Good night. We are up against the news, but, uh, Greg, we are going to talk more with you when we come back. And uh, we'll do the Week in Weird first, and we'll throw out a story that's kind of related to a lot of this hoax idea and, and the idea of shoddy evidence. And then we're going to kick it around with Greg. We're going to have some fun because so many of these people in the paranormal world, they've got to come into them. And uh, we're going to bring it to them. So stay tuned. We'll be back with more in just a little bit here on Spooky South Coast. Here's more of... Now it's time for a breakdown. Don't mind if I do. Spooky South Coast is back. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. I'm 
Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen. Welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, and science advisor, Matt Moniz. And we're excited to be here with you talking about the paranormal, as we are each and every Saturday night. And uh, I think we will be for quite some time. Uh, no, no interruptions coming up on the schedule anytime soon, which uh, means no nights off for you guys <laughs> coming up anytime soon either. Because we don't do reruns here at Spooky South Coast. It's new content, fresh every Saturday night. You can follow along with us on the web, SpookySouthCoast.com. If you want to download any previous episodes, I highly recommend you download last week's Halloween episode if you haven't already. And if you didn't listen to the first hour of the show, we won't ruin it for you. And uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, Twitter.com slash SpookySC. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook. Just look up Tim Weisberg on Facebook. We're on MySpace too, myspace.com slash spooky south coast. So all kinds of ways to get a hold of us each and every week. And I've just discovered something awesome, by the way. Uh, I use a uh, tweet deck, which allows me to, uh, send out updates about the show through all these social networking tools because I am a social networking tool. At least I try to be. I'm not really a, really good with all that stuff so tweet deck makes it all nice and easy for me so that's how you'll be able to get all the updates and cool stuff and matt did you get that photo that i sent you a little while ago i did that was pretty funny. wasn't that a funny photo was. that was awesome maybe i'll put that up on the, the twitter feed tomorrow but uh we do have uh something that we want to inform you about a fundraiser that's coming up next saturday night uh november 14th and uh, basically this is to help raise money for Patricia Monty, a, a beautiful 52-year-old woman who was recently diagnosed with a debilitating illness. The doctors informed her that there was a chance that she would never walk again, but through perseverance, she's defying all odds and has gained some but limited mobility in her legs. Using a new-step physical therapy machine, she's able to mimic walking in a seated position. Since using this machine, she has been able to take 20 steps. She's now adjusting at home and... Her son, David, would like to help her get a new step of her own, and so he is uh, having a benefit and taking donations to raise the money needed to buy the new step physical therapy machine to help his mother regain her ability to walk. Uh, if you would like to make a donation uh, to Patricia Monty and to help gain, uh, get this new step physical therapy machine, email me, Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com, or you can also uh, get a hold of me uh, through any of the social networking sites, like I said before. Uh, you can also call the Power Relations uh, phone number at 508-969-2919 and leave a message for me there. Just let me know that you'd like to make a donation to Patricia Monty to help uh, raise the funds for a new step physical therapy machine. Or if you want to find out more details about that fundraiser next Saturday night, November 14th, and I'll be able to pass all that information on to her son, David. So uh, hopefully if you can dig in and, and find a few dollars to make a donation, everything will help add up and, and buy her this device so she can... Hopefully learn to walk again, and we wish her all the best. And uh, also, we do have uh, Rock for Christmas coming up. The big Rock for Christmas tour is launching in December, and it's going to start off December 4th right here in Fairhaven at the Seaport Inn and Marina. We'll have some more information about that coming up later on in the show, and of course our big Rock for Christmas episode coming up in a few weeks. But uh, you can find out more by going to rock4xmas, rock4xmas.com. 
And uh, you can also go to the Seaport Inn and Marina website at seaportinandmarina.com if you want to purchase tickets. So, And uh, what else do we have to promote? Of course, the big investigators' night coming up on November 29th. It's been postponed from uh, October because people told me that they, they didn't have the money, they didn't have the time, they couldn't get together. So we've moved the date November 29th at the Quickishan Club in Fall River. Investigators Night, we're going to open the place up. There's only 50 tickets available at $50 a piece. So if you or your group would like to take part, please email me ASAP, Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com. Actually, we only have 48 spots available because we sold, sold two last week. So, uh, they are going, they are going to go fast as the date approaches. So if you want to reserve your spot, uh, let me know now and we'll make sure that you get on the list because it's going to be a, a great night of investigation. Great uh, pizza. Yeah. Great pizza. We have a DART, Dartmouth Anomalies Research Team will be on hand. They'll share some of their evidence that they've captured in their previous investigations there. They'll also be there to help assist you. Great pizza. <laughs> first, first time investigators are welcome. Season investigators are welcome. We're all going to work together. And uh, we have a special guest investigator coming all, along as well. Uh, she has uh, told me she's going to try and be on board. All right. So Donna LaCroix from Ghost yeah. Hunters and Ghost Hunters International. And she'll be there, and she's just great to work with anyway, and you can ask her questions about the shows, questions about former cases, and, of course, she'll be there to help you investigate the Quickishan Club as well. So, And if uh, the spirit that we think is there is going to be out and talking to us again, it'll help to have more females present, that's for sure. Actually, yeah. So, all right, well, all that being said, now it's time to get a little weird. More bad news. Well, I got a great show for you today with some wonderful, weird stuff. I feel, I feel so very weird. The Week in Weird. All right, our first story comes from Wired Science, and it... Kind of, uh, this is Wired Magazine, but it comes from the science uh, part of their site. And it, it kind of goes along with what we've been talking about tonight with the ideas of these hoaxes and, and how um, certain factors can be mistaken for paranormal activity. A scientifically haunted house suggests you're a sucker. Uh, fake blood, canned screams, and plastic skeletons are fun, but if you want a real haunted house, turn to scientists. To test whether it's possible to artificially induce paranormal experiences or from a different perspective, to technologically summon a spirit, researchers at London's Goldsmith College and architect Usman Haik designed a scientifically haunted room. They were inspired by earlier studies in which test subjects reported contact with the phantasmic and when exposed to electromagnetic fields and waves of infrasound. This hasn't just taken place in the laboratory. IDMF fields have been recorded at reputedly haunted castles. Sorry, this is written in very small print. And geomagnetic flux caused by shifting tectonic plates reportedly produces surges in poltergeist sightings. Meanwhile, infrared sound waves below the infrasound waves, I'm sorry, below the level of human hearing have been linked to visitation. Of course, ghosts, which 40% of the American public claim to believe in, are only one possible explanation. Perhaps people feel something, and what they call haunting is their uniquely sensitive power of perception. Maybe they're just suggestible. So Christopher French, head of Goldsmith's Anomalistic Psychology Research Unit and editor of Skeptic Magazine, built the haunted room, a white wood-framed canvas tent nine feet in diameter located in the front room of the London Row House. It was entirely featureless, but hidden speakers cast infrasound waves like those measured in supposedly haunted Coventry Coventry Cathedral. 
Other speakers projected sound waves that produced an electromagnetic frequency used in laboratory stimulation of paranormal feeling. Each field's range was focused in a different part of the room, and some areas were field-free. If haunting indeed had a wavelength, then people would ostensibly report unusual experiences in the target areas. 79 students, friends of Hake, and other volunteers entered the room, which operated during the fall of 2006. The responses were published this May in Cortex magazine, and in response, they certainly did. After spending less than an hour in the room, nearly three-quarters reported having more than three unusual feelings. Just 6% felt nothing. Among the common sensations were dizziness, tingling, disembodiment, dream remembrance, and the feeling of, quote, a presence. Several even felt sexually aroused. But there was a catch. The sensations had nothing to do with where they were standing in the room. When French's team crunched the numbers, the only statistically significant association appeared in subjects who scored highly on a test of psychological predisposition to that sort of transcendental feelings generally experienced by epileptics with unstable temporal lobes. So, uh, I mean, basically, short, short, long story short, they built this room, and they, they tried to recreate paranormal phenomena. Uh, we've talked about this in the past, Matt Moniz, that for a lot of people, and of course James Randi included, the only way that people are going to believe in paranormal phenomena is if it can be recreated in the laboratory. I guess this is kind of the reverse side of that, to try to recreate it in the laboratory to prove that it isn't paranormal. No. Uh, I, I look at those type of uh, testing uh, with a bit of a skeptical eye myself, even being a scientist. Yeah, you can use various fields to cause uh, manipulation in the human body, but everybody is unique as their own individual thumbprint. So everybody's going to have their own reaction to it in their in their own way. And because that's what's happening in these particular locations, and this particular that's location... That's what he noted in his, his statistical report. Not everybody had the same effect at the same place at the same time. So it's... But it, it, it's, it's almost like it's not... Just because it's being created in this environment doesn't mean that that's the same thing that's happening out in the field. Right. Uh, you know, just because, you know, uh, there's... The ability to create that phenomena doesn't mean that it's something else creating it uh, outside. I mean, I still think that the only way to do this is to build the the laboratory environment within the haunted location. You know, have the controls and everything there. You know? yeah, I, yeah, set up the laboratory in a quote-unquote haunted places. And that's one of the things about places that are haunted, you know, unlike cryptozoology or ufology. You know, a haunted place stays in the same place all the time, you know, roughly. So, yeah. So what you're saying is we should build a lab in the basement of the Lizzie Board and bed and breakfast. I'd go with that. All right. <laughs> Matt Costa, what do you have for us? All right. From the uh, Star Tribune, drinking and driving is always a bad combination, but a Minnesota man has taken DWI in a more casual direction. Dennis Leroy Anderson of Proctor, Minnesota, pled guilty last week of a DUI while on a lazy Board recliner. The 61-year-old <laughs> Anderson had con- converted a Lazy Boy lecli- recliner with wheels, a lawnmower engine, stereo cup holders, and headlights. Anderson does uh, auto body work when he's not making when he's not making f- furniture into hot rods. Unfortunately, he had a lot a lot too much. He had way too much to drink before climbing into his chair, registering. 0.29% blood alcohol content, which is high, almost yes. lethal. Uh, three and a half times the legal limit. Anderson left the keyboard lounge, hopped on his lazy boy, but promptly crashed into a real car <laughs> in the parking lot. The Star Tribune reported Deputy Police Chief uh, 
Troy Foucault said that the chair is quite decked out along with stereo cup holders. It is powered by a co- converted lawnmower, steering wheel headlights, and a power antenna. Est- uh, Foucault estimated that the Lazy Boy can top out at about 15 to 20 miles per hour. A National Hot Rod Association sticker adorns the headrest. The chair was impounded and will be sold at the next police auction. I'm there. <laughs> uh, we have quite a few people calling about buying it, said Foucault, who half seriously acknowledged that he's tempted to bid on it himself, except he has kids that would drive into the street. Anderson, with a prior conviction for drunk driving, was sentenced to 180 days in jail and fined $2,000. Hey, you know. <laughs> That's, I, I don't know if I would want that guy driving that sober, let alone three times the legal limit. I mean, that just sounds both fun and dangerous. But three times the legal limit? I'm surprised he even found the chair. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's just great, though, that that's, you know... Something that somebody's dedicating their time to building. Yeah. But why not just stay sober and make a living off it? I know. That's, that's the way to do it. All right. When, when was that story printed? When Is that a recent story? Um, I think this week. Two weeks. Last week? Yeah. yeah. So. so the auction may not have happened yet? May not have happened. All right. Excellent. <laughs> All right. And, it, and that's it, the Star Tribune, so that's out of Minneapolis, right? Yeah. If it was only uh, equipped with a toilet. That could be easy handled. So. We'll make some modifications. Matt Moniz, what do you have for us? I got something from the Associated Press. In Concord, New Hampshire, the infamous photograph of Lee Harvey Oswald holding the rifle in his backyard would have been nearly impossible to fake, according to news and a new analysis by a Dartmouth College professor. Oswald, who was shot to death days after being charged with the 1963 assassination of President John F. Kennedy, claimed the photo of him holding the rifle in one hand and Marxist newspapers in the other hand had been doctored. Over the years, many others have pointed out what appeared to be inconsistent lighting and shadows. But Henry Farid, director of Newcomb Institute for uh, Computational Science at Dartmouth, said that the shadows are exactly where they should be. You can never really prove an image is real, but the evidence that people have pointed to that the photo is fake is incorrect, Farid said Thursday. As an academic and as a scientist, I don't like to say it's absolutely authentic, but it's extremely unlikely to have been a fake. Farid, who worked using digital forensic tools to analyze the images, often has been used by... uh, Sorry... Forensic tools to analyze images often has been used by law enforcement. Said he has been getting requests from conspiracy theorists to analyze the photo for years. He said he held off until he had the appropriate software to create a three-dimensional model of Oswald's head and surroundings. With the modeling software, he was able to show that a single light source could create both shadows falling behind as well as onto Oswald's on his right, and one directly under his nose. Farid admits even he was skeptical before starting his research. When I looked at the photo, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand the shadows, and I do this for a living, he said. But Farid's latest findings, which will be published in the Journal of Perception, is in keeping with his earlier research that showed the human visual system does a poor job at judging whether 
Cast shadows are correct, he said. It turns out we're really bad at it. Even though our visual system is very, very good, we are really bad at judging shadows, he said. I am bad at it, and this is what I do for a living. He spent two months off and on analyzing the Oswald photo. It is because of uh, the Kennedy assassination and because there's so much history about this that you really want your answer to be correct. He said, you don't want to make a mistake on something of this magnitude. Well, the shadows always did bother me, but also the fact that Oswald is standing kind of like this yeah. in the picture also bothers me. The kind of looks like it was maybe kind of cut and pasted and moved around, but at least in terms of the shadows, well, inconclusive still means inconclusive. inconclusive so yeah. maybe this year when we do our uh, our annual look at the the Kennedy assassination coming up later on this month, maybe we'll focus on Oswald. Uh, as an individual, I'm actually reading Oswald in the CIA right now. It's a voluminous text, but uh, it has all the documentation of of Oswald's defection to the USSR and all of his uh, claims that he would share secrets, radar secrets with the the Russians. And uh, it's a fascinating book. It came out about 15 years ago. Does but, it uh, go into his work in uh, New Orleans? It does the... later on. I haven't reached that far yet, okay. but it does get that far. And the fair play for Cuba and all that stuff. So okay. maybe uh, maybe that would be a good topic uh, for, for this show coming up. Or, or maybe, Bring back you know, Jim Mars? I, I, I would love to. I love every chance we can get Jim Mars to have on the show. And He's actually going to be on the season premiere of Banal of America. Uh, if you go to banalofamerica.com, they'll have information as to when the new premiere Will be, but uh, Jim Mars did record the season premiere of season five, and also uh, they're going to be relaunching their new web design soon too. So you want to check that out. All right, well that is the week in weird for this week. If you have any stories you'd like to share with us, just go to thespookysouthcoast.com, click on the forum, and go to the week in web week in weird thread. You can drop the story or a link in there. And do we have bumper stickers left. We do. All right, if we use the story on the air, we will send you a spooky South Coast bumper sticker. And sooner or later, we'll have to order more. All right, we'll be right back with more. We're going to talk more with Greg Newkirk of the Who Forded blog. And you can check that out at whofortedblog.com. Also linked up right to the front page of spookysouthcoast.com. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. Rock for Christmas, a rockin' charity event, Friday, December 4th at the Seaport Inn and Marina Fairhaven. Rock out with Eddie Money, Ernie and the Automatics, Joey Mullen of Badfinger, Kelly Keeling, formerly of Trans-Siberian Orchestra, and Terry Luce of XYZ. Special guest MC, Eddie Munster. We're rockin' at the Seaport Inn and Marina, Friday, December 4th, from 6 p.m. till closing. It's more than a feeling. It's much-needed help for those less fortunate. Tickets available at the Seaport Inn or rockforxmas.com. You did that on purpose, Matt Costa. How so? We just heard Wayne Morrison talking about how Eddie Munster was going to be the host of Rock for Christmas. And then you go and play the theme song of Eddie Munster's arch enemy, the Adams Family. <laughs> Man, what's wrong with you? I don't know. Wayne is going to kill me. <laughs> Wayne, he will kill you. He's, uh, he's on his way down here now. 
All right, welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, and science advisor, Matt Moniz. And Matt Costa just informed me during the break that there's actually a link up right on the front page of SpookySouthCoast.com if you want to sign up for Investigators Night coming up November 29th at the Quickashan Club. You can click right on there and sign up uh, all the information there, and you'll be able to, uh, it'll send it right to me, and we'll get you on the list. So can't be any easier than that. All right, well, let's get back into the discussion now with Greg Newkirk, the co-founder and contributing editor of Who Forded. You can check it out at whofordedblog.com, and I can tell you what, it certainly smells like somebody forded in this room. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've we got to give you a little bit of an explanation about that, Greg. See, we're in the plaza where we broadcast from. Every night about this time, every Saturday night about this time, we get this horrible odor that comes from outside. And then it like punches us in the face as soon as we walk out the door, and we don't know if it's paranormal, but it's it's been happening for many years, and we haven't been able to to scientifically prove what the cause is. It's a demon. Interesting. It may be yeah. a demon. Yes. There you go. You guys should call Ryan Bulin. <laughs> Do we have I to? He's good at those things. Do we have to? <laughs> well, you know, well, you don't have to. Well, let's get right into this because, uh, as we said uh, in the last hour, when all these. As you, as you guys refer to them and as they're referred to uh, on various different sites, these Paris celebrities, when you do put yourself out there and you become uh, a television character more or less, then you are open to parody, you are open to satire, and you have to have an openness and a sense of humor about it because so much of – I can't imagine Ryan Buell watches that show, looks back and says, yes, we are accurately portraying paranormal investigation – uh, we are accurately showing how this goes down, and we are not just trying to scare people and and hook them in with the the horror factor. Yeah, is it? Are we reaching the point of the ridiculous with some of this now? I mean, I, we reached the point of the ridiculous a long while ago. You know, I mean, I mean, and it wouldn't be so ridiculous if these people were were quick to come out and say, yeah, you know, what you're seeing is is pretty much fabricated. We do this for ratings. We, you know. The things that we capture on there are, 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 are staged. But, you know, these people keep up this persona of, of well, we're serious investigators. And, and everything we do, you know, uh, is this is how you do it. It's our way or the highway. You know, and some of them go so far as with uh, ghost hunters, you know, they form the Taps family. And, you know, all of these people join the Taps family when really, I mean, it's just, it's just residual, you know, advertising for them. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but um, you guys have been around a while. I know Matt has. Um, but there's been an evident, like a very, very evident change in like the Atlantic Paranormal Society's official website. You know, you used to go to it, and there was a lot of you know theories and stories and things like that back in the day before their show, when their show was just getting started, things like that. And now you're referring to the advertisements. It, absolutely, it's insane now. It is absolutely insane. They they sell bumper stickers and, and frisbees, you know, things like that. And and it's all links to different uh, events that you can go to, their their ghost hunting boot camp, things like that. That's what they're at now. You don't see anything that's that's fostering any kind of discussion or or any kind of like evolution now. It's all it's all to to line their pockets. Well, I mean, at least, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Matt Moniz, but I'm pretty sure the Taps family actually predates the the launch of the television show. That is true. It's 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 actually it was set up to be kind of a network of investigators that could work together under the same mindset 
um, you know, prior to even how, how things were done on Ghost Hunter. So at least in that regard, they were trying to spread a, a procedure, a standing word. operating procedure. Um, the key, the key word is were. Well, sure. I, I understand where you're coming from with that, where now it's kind of just become, you know, it's, it's more of a, a status symbol amongst paranormal groups to be accepted into the TAPS family almost. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Or, or they'll get the hope that eventually they'll be able to, you know, refer a case to the television show and they'll get that, you know, three or four second, you know, guest spot with their name up there. We're still waiting for ours. <laughs> <laughs> we brought them tons of cases. No, but, uh, it, it's, that's the problem though is, is, it's got to be the only thing I can think of. I mean, and uh, I work in the media outside of this program, and and mm-hmm. I'm I'm I consider myself a student of pop culture and a student of the media. I can't think of any other field where you can just walk right into it and consider yourself to be on equal footing. First of all, with uh, people who have been doing it for a long time, and then where you can actually make inroads in becoming some sort of of name within the field yourself almost right off the bat. Absolutely. Well, half of it is because these people come out and they'll just build a website or, you know, a MySpace website or something and immediately start calling themselves, you know, acclaimed or world-renowned or, or this or that. You know, it's uh, a lot of these things are plays on words, like a lot of the psychics that say, oh, well, I've worked with the police department on this or that, when really, in reality, they've just, you know, maybe faxed a couple things to the police department that have been shrugged off. You know, thing that's par for the course when it comes to you know the, the paranormal field or the paranormal community. Uh, it's it's all exaggerations, and a lot of these people are, you know, not only lying to everybody else, but they're lying to themselves. You know, uh, all of these people have these altruistic reasons that they're involved in the paranormal, and I really don't buy most of it. Most people that will say to you, "I'm in this field because I want to help people." There's a very small fraction of those that when I hear it, I believe it. And I don't know how that is for anybody else. But I really have a hard time buying that. And I I don't know why people have such a hard time saying, well, I'm in this because I enjoy it, it's interesting, and it's fun. Or, or, you know what, I kind of like being scared, you know. But people have a hard time doing that, and you're automatically... I think it's automatically frowned upon if you come out and say, well, that's that's what it is, because it's fun. It's when it's the the perception within the community itself that you know you can't you you can't say that you know it has to be about I'm I'm here to to prove the existence of the paranormal and you know I'm here to do my I mean you have to kind of follow the the company line and when you go beyond that then the word gets out there for people to maybe not take you seriously and that's the problem too is the the other problem with it is that there's too much infighting and too much popularity contest within the field itself for anything to actually sure. advance. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. And, and I'll come right out and say that I'm not a big believer in, in the whole paranormal unity thing that was going around for a while. You know, I, I, I don't spend a lot of time on MySpace anymore, so I don't know what the status of that is. But, you know, I think a lot of the paranormal unity thing is bunk because, really, they just want paranormal acceptance, and they just want, you know, uh, they don't want any... Uh, diverging opinions. Um, well, they want to ins- just- they want to insulate themselves from criticism. That's exactly it, and and, and that's and, and that's one of the biggest, uh, in my opinion, one of the biggest problems that we have in this community right now is 
No one likes criticism, even if it's constructive criticism. You know, no one likes to, to have their feelings hurt a little bit, which I think is necessary in a lot of things. It's necessary to have a kind of competition. It's necessary to have, you know, peer review. Um, Took the words because right because without mind. it, you're just going around in circles. I'll, I'll tell you, Greg, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a very blanket, generali- generalized statement here, and I'm sure I'll regret it at some point having said it. <laughs> But really, I think this is what it all boils down to. And I, again, I don't know if I want to do this, but this is what the whole problem around the paranormal community is. Very few people that are involved in the paranormal field were the cool kids. Very yeah. few of them were the popular kids growing up. It's by nature. Absolutely. The, the nature of the field is it's people who were kind of on the outside. And now that they found something that they can be good at, that they can be accepted in, it's all of a Absolutely. sudden Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. And, you know, we're a case of that as well. Us and all of our friends and our little group of people, we we used to talk about how we're really just a bunch of Dungeons and Dragons nerds that weren't smart enough to figure out how to play the game. <laughs> so we decided to go out and look for real monsters. Those guys you know? screwed me up. Way too many <laughs> so, so you're right. You're right. This is this is a community that is all misfits. It's all misfits. And a lot of these people, you know, again, the slightest bit of criticism makes them seize up, and they don't want to. They don't want to deal with it because this is a this is a community that it attracts. Uh, crazy people it attracts people that that have been you know they're they're socially awkward socially inept people and that's fine but it's not the real world it doesn't operate like well, the real world they don't get the kind of criticism they do in the real world so they're allowed to go around and say well i'm a psychic medium and i only speak to dead people and i only do this and i only do that you know and, and i'll bring this up as an example we were on a radio show uh, last weekend, it was a, I say radio, but really it was a, a blog talk show. And the woman that we were talking to knew nothing about what she wanted to have us on the show for. She'd read one of our articles or, or parts of it. It, it. I assume she read it, but she really didn't. And she went off on how you know she was a psychic and she can only read dead people and this and that. And she didn't realize that instead of talking to me, she was actually talking to Nick. The woman ended up crying by the end of the show. Uh, and, and I really thought to myself, this woman has no place running this kind of a show. If, if she's this susceptible to... And we, we, were, we weren't insulting anyone. We didn't, we didn't... The only people we were insulting were ourselves. We were just slandering ourselves on her show. Mm-hmm. And I, I just couldn't help but think, you know what? This woman has no place doing this. If she can't take, I mean, there wasn't even criticism. She didn't even have a sense of humor about it. But she was taking herself too seriously, and she felt like she was embarrassed in front of everyone. And, and they don't like that. These people don't like being embarrassed in front of people because they're in this field for a reason. And that's because this field is so accepting of everything. You know, and people don't like to give peer review. And the people that do, the people that give the slightest bit of criticism are... They're blackballed, or they're attempted to be blackballed. 
you know. And well, uh, it's interesting that you say attempted right. because that's the other problem with this is these these uh, perceived power structures and power struggles that happen on every level, not just within paranormal groups, not just. You know, I'm the lead investigator and you're the associate investigator and you're the assistant associate investigator and you're the trainee. Not just that stuff alone, but just the fact that there's, there's hierarchies everywhere within this field and, Absolutely. and people buy them when there's really no reason to have them. You know, like, like our show might be considered, you know, the third or the fourth tier of paranormal radio. Coast to coast is the top and another show is second tier. Another, you know, and when you're doing our show, you're fourth tier and internet radio is fifth tier and all this kind of stuff. But, all that stuff is just existing in people's minds because they're placing that type of, of uh, limitation. Well, you know, yeah. Yeah. I'm all for you know DIY. I, people can, can do it themselves, I, and I love the accessibility of everything in this community. I think that's fantastic, but it's, I don't think it's being utilized properly. Um, you know, all these people, they, they, they sit there and they watch these paranormal television shows, and they can complain about them and complain about how bad they are. They can complain about anything. But we have the ability to go out and make these things ourselves. You know, if you don't like it, you can grab a video camera. You can go out. Every computer now comes with a, a, a sort of editing equipment, and I love that. That's fantastic. You've got the software there. You can make your own stuff. But people aren't innovating. They're not doing anything new. They're not making the things that they want to see. Instead, they're just following suit. So... You have Blog Talk, for example, is filled with a, just the same thing, the same show. You can hear the same exact shows over and over and over and over. There's no innovation. You know, the, the, the clips that you see on YouTube, there are things that are, are the same, the, the people's pilots. It's the same thing over and over and over and over. There's nothing new there. You know, and it's like I, I touched on some of the equipment and things like that. It's just the same shtick in a different package over and over and over. And the accessibility is all there, but right now it's more damaging than anything else because these people aren't bringing anything new or exciting or interesting to bring any new and exciting and interesting people into the fold. Instead, they're just imitating and copying what they see. It's it's really unique because uh, look at, say, a a show like CSI becomes extremely successful, and there's going to be you know four or five different versions of CSI, but they're all on the same network. You know, this yeah. is a, an example where there's four, five, six, seven different networks all trying to have their own version of essentially the same show. I mean, I'll I'll give Ghost Hunters kind of I'll I'll give them the the carte blanche and whatever they do as long as they're not trying to you know, as long as they're remaining an entertainment program. I will give them kind of carte blanche to do anything because they're the innovator of it. Whereas everybody else is kind of just following that, and they're either. Uh, copying what worked, or they're trying mm-hmm. to make an adjustment where they thought something didn't work. Like Paranormal State, I, I make no bones about the fact that I think that show is crap. I think oh, it, that, it, it absolutely is. And because here's here's a bunch of kids who started a group when they were in college, they have no more than three or four years experience, and they've already got a television show because you can't, they had I mean, a hook. Exactly. Well, you, and you can't tell me that that the Vatican is calling up Ryan Buell. I don't buy that. <laughs> you know, and, and it really, but but really, what you're choosing here is with all of the different shows that are on, and I'll use I'll use three of the big ones as examples. You're choosing Ghost Hunters to have a a, a they have a tech aspect in a we mean business sort of aspect to it, which some of it comes across as hokey, 
I mean, because some of it, you know, I remember when, when uh, Jason Hawes was talking about how the K2 meter is specifically designed for ghost hunting. Right. So you've got that aspect. And for people who don't buy that aspect, you can buy into the theological, religious thing with Paranormal State because, I mean, there's unbelievably deep religious, you know, undertones to that show. Undertones? It's a major current. Oh, no, you're exactly, that's exactly it. That's a, they, they really don't, yeah, they don't beat around the bush with it. Or you've got Ghost Adventures, which is just, you know, three dumb jocks screaming at things and saying, you know, come on, bro, what do you got to do, bro? Come on, just do it. Why don't you do it again? I'm not afraid of you. And then running away screaming when they get scratched or, or something or whatever, a foam brick, you know. So there's all these little, there's these different shows that hit these different markets for one person that doesn't buy one thing or, or one person that, that would prefer another thing. Well, but, but you're right. Ghost Hunters pretty much started this trend. And I'll give it to them. The first, you know, one or two seasons started off pretty well. I mean, I, there weren't too many gripes with it. But things keep coming around and coming to the surface now. And they, they like I said, they painted themselves into a corner. The burden of evidence the, is on them. Well, the biggest problem, too, with, with Ghost Hunters isn't just the evidence factor, but the fact that uh, Brian Harnois had his, you know, personal issues that got in the way of of what he could do with the group and with the show, and the fact that that garnered so much response and that garnered so much attention that that kind of overtook the... The people became the focus sure. rather than the product of what they were looking for. It was for. about sure. the investigators and not right. the evidence. Right. But again, but again, you know, that's television, and you can't really you can't really fault television for doing that because that's their job and that's what they do, and, and that's how it's going to be. I mean, this stuff's really going to be story-driven. Uh, I mean... It's like Patrick was saying. I don't really see any time in the future there being a, a sort of Mythbusters-esque ghost hunting show. I just don't see it. Because the, the fact of the matter is, the general public, they want to believe. They want to believe. They don't like being told that these things that they like to believe don't really exist or, or, or it doesn't really work that way. They don't like that. They don't want to see that. And they're, they're not going to watch it. So you can't really fault television. It's these people themselves that, you know, they sign up to these contracts, they sign into these things, knowing full well what they're getting into. And the problem is when they, they continue to market themselves as serious investigators and, and serious icons in the field, because they're not anymore. I mean, they sacrifice their integrity to do this. Where if they would just be upfront about it and say, you know what, this stuff is, we, we had to stage this or we had to do this or do this. It'll never happen. They'll never say that. It's in their contract. They're not allowed. They'll be sued into oblivion if they do. But the fact alone that they're willing to sign off on something like that, in my opinion, removes a lot of the credibility that they have right, in well, this field. We have a call on the line here. We've only got a few minutes left in the show, but let's take this call quickly. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast with Greg Newkirk of Who Forded. How are you doing? Doing all right. How are you? Oh, we're spooktacular. Well, no, I, I just wanted to voice. make a quick comment, actually. Uh, hearing about the show tonight, it was uh, originally labeled Watchdogs mm -hmm. of, of, of uh, the, the paranormal field or whatever. And, and I know you, you mildly reneged on, on, a, on an open meeting there. But the more I'm listening to this, the more I'm thinking, what I'm actually coming to grips with is there are watchdogs already existing in the paranormal field. And do we need them? The answer is no. But the watchdogs are not the ones like Patrick or Greg or any number of people who are contributing to the ideas of, of, of an open forum, a truly open, honest, opinionated forum. The watchdogs are the ones who immediately call duty on those people who do 
speak their opinion. Absolutely. You know, um, Absolutely. the problem being, when you do have an open forum, you mentioned infighting earlier, and that's what really struck me. There's a lot of infighting. The infighting, if you trace it back every single time, rather than infighting, it should simply be called a defensive backpedal by the people who consider themselves to be the hierarchy. Those mm-hmm. are the people who are at the root of every argument because they're usually on a defensive-type attack against anything that's spoken against their idealism. So really, the people like Haunted Hoax and Who Forded, these are the true open dialogues. That's why Who Forded exists. If you go there, you'll see conflicting opinions. You'll see people calling Greg out. He doesn't delete those things. Sure. But if you call out any of these supposed hierarchy, it's deleted, lawsuits are threatened. So who are the watchdogs? I think we need to redirect that focus. And maybe our shows in the future should be those people answering for their watchdog status rather than the common people. Hey, you guys can write an article for Who Forded. They've accepted my submissions. We're all Who Forded. Anyone with an honest opinion, even if we don't agree with it, is Who Forded. That's true. That's get true. I mean, I mean, from things like Taft Family and so forth. So maybe we need to redefine what we consider watchdogs. That's all I had in my mind. Well, thank you very much. All right, thank you. <laughs> and that's uh, and that got it in before the time was up too, which is even better. Uh, but no, that's that's absolutely true. And the other problem too is it's not just that you can't express a dissenting opinion and have it removed or have it you know questioned by who it is you're questioning, but you have their entire fan base, their entire you know their their sycophants who are going to then descend upon you. And absolutely, I, I've never seen anything. Uh, Anything in pop culture where you can say something negative about somebody and all of a sudden there's armies of people that are coming after you. Mm-hmm. Well, and they'll do it on purpose. They'll stick them after you on purpose because they know that they have these at their disposal and they'll do it. But, I mean, you know, the nice thing about it is these people are usually not very smart and they don't have very good, you know, arguments to back up their, their opinions. Um, but, you know, Matt's right. Uh, people like, people like that, um, those people are really the watchdogs. Those people are really the people that are, are trying to keep certain opinions down and keep certain, you know, uh, uh, groups of people out of the loop. You know, uh, places like Haunted Hoax, um, you know, Who Forded was created specifically with the, the idea of letting people who don't normally get a chance to say and speak their, their mind do that. You know, there's a reason we call this the Who Forded Collective, because anyone that wants to submit something can. They're more than welcome to. And we are constantly trying to get people to do that. You know, whether people utilize that, that sort of medium, that's their, that's their own, you know, doing. Uh, a lot of people are, are armchair investigators, and they can critique all they want, but they won't go and make the change that they want to see. And that's another one of the big issues, but that's a completely another can of worms <laughs> well let's definitely open that up sometime in the future because there's so much more we can go with this topic and it's it's maybe watchdog is not what we need but open dialogue is definitely what has to happen the real watchdog should be the people watching the shows i mean you have to be responsible for your own opinions true sure absolutely, absolutely. all right well thank you very much greg for joining us and we look forward to reading more on who forwarded and and uh thanks for the power relations plug by the way <laughs> Thank you, thank you so much for uh, having me on. All right, we'll uh, we'll definitely be uh, looking forward to uh, getting skewered. Hopefully, we'll reach the status level of uh, <laughs> making it to your site. All right, no, we'll definitely right. we'll definitely talk in the future, and I I, I certainly want to make sure that uh, we invite you back so we can explore this even further. Anytime, anytime.
Thanks right. a lot, guys. Keep doing what you're doing and keep uh, keep making sure that everybody doesn't take themselves too seriously. Keep everybody honest. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs> yeah, take care, guys. Bye-bye. So that was Greg Newkirk of Who Forded, and check that out at whofortedblog.com. Our thanks to him and Patrick Doyle of hauntedhopes.net. Thanks to all of you for listening. We'll be back next Saturday night where we'll be talking more about the paranormal world. And we're going to be probably in rough shape next Saturday night. But you won't know the difference, believe me. We'll still turn out a quality show. And we'll be here to talk with you uh, pretty much every Saturday night now going forward. So email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. SpookySouthCoast.com is the website where you can download previous episodes of the show and find out more. Twitter.com slash SpookySC. And don't forget, sign up for Investigators Night. So for Matt Moniz... From Matt Costa, I'm Tim Weisberg. We want you all to stay spooktacular.